Allah Ta'ala has given us one chance in life. And why this is just one chance is that we have no idea when this life will suddenly come to an end. Otherwise, as life goes along, the chances keep coming up. But if one considers that at any moment this life could finish off, then in that regard it's one chance. And in this one chance we have is to make the everlasting life of the Akhirat. There were those who understood this reality and they led the way for us from the Sahabiyat, the Sahaba Ikram, and then those who followed them. And in order to make their way directly to Jannah, they undertook many sacrifices, many difficulties, many hardships, but the goal was in front of them and they knew where they are heading to. As a result, they took everything in their stride and they reached their destination. Allah Ta'ala, regarding the Sahaba Ikram, which includes all the Sahaba, the Sahabiyat, Allah Ta'ala says, Radiyallahu anhum wa an. Allah Ta'ala is pleased with them. They are pleased with Allah Ta'ala. The sacrifices that they made were accepted and they reached their goal and destination. So this is the lead that they have given and they have in their practical way left the message for us that if we want to also be successful, we want to also reach our goal and destination, we will have to follow in their footsteps. As time goes, the things that keep increasing by the day are the challenges, the various new things that keep coming about, the many things that distract us, from our deen, distract us from Allah Ta'ala, distract us from our destination of Jannat. And these are forever on the increase. This is something which has been foretold by Rasulullah in the ahadith, that as Qiyamat will approach, then the fitnas will increase. All kinds of fitna. So now the issue is that when there are all these kinds of fitna, how does a person keep oneself safe from these fitnas? How does a person remain very closely onto the straight path, does not get caught up in any of the things that sweep people away? These are the things that need to be reflected upon because this is a very crucial aspect. Life is very limited. Many a person is here today and is gone today. Our turn will come. Nobody has any doubt about it. There's one certainty which everybody is unanimous about is that that is coming. Everything else, there's some kind of differences. Somebody is right and somebody is wrong, obviously. But that everybody is unanimous, that's coming. When it will come, we have no idea. 
and we have to be ready for it, we have to be prepared for it. There's one hadith in Tirmidhi Sharif, Shamail Tirmidhi, where the narrator relates the hadith, and after relating the hadith, one of the narrators, Muhammad ibn Fadl, so he explains and he says one great muhaddith, Yahya bin Ma'in rahimahullah, very great personality, among the giants, among the muhaddithin, the ustad of Imam Bukhari rahmatullahi. So that gives us the caliber of the person. So he says that Yahya bin Ma'in rahimahullah came to inquire from me about this particular hadith, which I narrated. He wanted to hear it directly from me, because he heard it via me through some other person. So now he came to hear it from the source which was closer. So he came and he met me and he asked me about this particular hadith if I could relate it to him. So I started relating it. I merely had started mentioning the name of the narrator's Haddasana Hamad ibn Salamata. I only came to this point, the first narrator's name I took, that Hamad bin Salama narrated to me. So he stopped me and said that, look, I would be happier if you read it to me from your notebook, where you have recorded this hadith. If you read it to me directly from there, I will be happier. Well, basically, he made a request because there's more uh, confidence now that the person hasn't made any error because he's reading it from where he recorded it directly from his ustad. So this person, Muhammad ibn Fadl, didn't take any offense to this. Very well. So his notebook was in his house, and this was perhaps in the masjid or something. So he woke up to go to fetch his notebook. So as soon as he woke up, Yahya bin Ma'in rahimahullah, such a great personality, he immediately held on to his clothes and held him back. And then he said to him, that look, first you narrate this hadith to me from memory. Narrate it to me from memory first, and then you go and fetch your book also and then repeat it. فَإِنِّي أَخْشَى Allah الْقَاقِ Because I'm worried that it must not happen that I don't get to meet you. Why? Perhaps by the time you go home and come, you might, it might be the end of your life. Death is imminent. So I would lose out on hearing this hadith from you. And if supposing my life is gone, I would leave with one hadith less. Now this was the extent to which this consciousness of death was with them and as a result this guided them every step of the way to do that which pleases Allah Ta'ala and to refrain from that which Allah Ta'ala is displeased with because this is what makes the difference this is what we have to face on the day of Qiyamah our amal and those things that we did to please Allah Ta'ala that is going to be of use to us those things that we did which Allah Ta'ala is displeased with and we left the world without making toba, without making istighfar, without seeking Allah Ta'ala's forgiveness. And death can come at any time. So if this happens, Allah forbid, then we could be in problems. So this is what the whole issue is, that one is life is very limited. We are heading to the akhirat. There is no comeback. There is no returning from there. And death can come at any moment. We have to be prepared for death. Now in the short life are all these challenges, all these various temptations, distractions. And especially at this time of the year, as we are getting closer to the so-called holiday period, this is something which is a very crucial time. In the Hadith Sharif, 
one of the very important aspects that has been highlighted, and this is highlighted in various ayat of the Quran Sharif as well, is the aspect of association. And as time goes along, this is becoming an even greater issue. The aspect of association. This has a direct impact on a person's deen. Nabi Salaam says, Al-Mar'u ala deeni khalili Falyanzur ahadukum may yukhalil That a person, he will follow the way of his friend. He will be on the way that his friend is. It's one of two things. Either a person is a very dominant personality, so then he will take people in his direction, and either he's not, he'll get taken in somebody's direction. So either way, one of the two friends is going to be the leader, the other is going to be the follower. So a person is on the way of his friend. So Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam then says, Therefore beware of who you befriend. Be conscious of who you befriend. Sometimes it might be a very casual friendship. It might be something that's seemingly very, very straightforward. Nothing to really take note about. But in time there are many things that then suddenly pass on from one to the next. And a person's entire thinking, entire mindset, everything gets changed in a different direction. At one point in time, a person, these are many, many things that are surfacing from time to time. Many isms, many people would come and they would now start very vocally talking about some things that they read, some things that they heard, where they heard it from, where they read it. What is the source? Is it authentic? Is it somebody with the right mindset? Is it somebody with the right uh, direction? So that we have no idea about. And a person now is saying things and he's taking everybody in that direction. Now some woman hears it. She is discussing it with others. And the next thing is a person's entire direction has changed. One lady read some things in one magazine somewhere. And after having read these things, she got linked up with some group. Now she got linked up with the group and now she's suddenly performing salah in a different way. She is suddenly now discouraging her children from reciting Surah Yasin in the morning. That there's no basis for this now. She is now talking about things which never were heard and finding fault with all the established principles and things in the end. That no, these are all fairy tales. Now where did this come from? This came from this casual association. And association is not restricted to human association. Association is a very wide concept. Association can be human association. A person is reading some magazine, that is association. A person is reading something on their phone, something came through the social media. So at that moment, that is association. When a person is reading something, the person is actually connecting with the writer. And the thoughts, the feelings of the writer pass through the, through the writings of the writer to the heart of the reader. There's a great alim who's still alive, he's very old and very ill presently in England, Allama Khalid Mahmoud Rahmatullah author of many kitabs. He had come to South Africa many times previously. So on one occasion while he was down, so because he was a specialist in the deviated groupings 
and all the various deviated sects, the Qadianis and Shias and the, those who don't subscribe to Taqlid and all the various other groupings in India and Pakistan. He had specialized in this. He used to run courses in this. He studied their works in depth and he wrote volumes on all this. So because he was so deep in all this, he one day while talking, he was mentioning something and he said that you bring me one passage that has been written by at that time there was a person by the name of Maududi who was very prominent in India in certain circles but he had very deviated ideas as well there wasn't hardly any sahabi of Rasulullah who he didn't criticize and all these kind of things one alim from Cape Town who passed away recently he happened to be in India, in Pakistan at the time when Maududi was at his peak and he went to attend some of his talks and when he came from there, so his ustad asked him this I heard very recently on a talk that was delivered by this alim about a, maybe six months ago about his whole life basically he was giving in, in, in Johannesburg so in that he mentioned that he came so his ustad asked him, what did you hear there? so he says, most of it I heard was criticism of the sahaba so he says, well, you heard it with your own ears. Well, you know where, what, where this is leading to. And he says, that was the last time I went there. So in any case, this Allama Khalid Mahmoud Sahib, he had now studied Maududi's works in depth and written the refutations and whatever else. Now when a person writes a book, it is not every word that is deviated in there. Or every word and every paragraph that you'll find something against the tenets of Islam or against the principles of deen. Sometimes the whole book will only contain one paragraph that is totally off the track. And that is that one paragraph of poison that the person wrote the whole perfect book for. So Allah Khalid Mahmoud used to say that give me one passage, one paragraph or a few lines of any of Maududi's writings which is 100% correct. That particular passage doesn't contain anything that is wrong. And don't tell me who wrote it. You pick it from one of his books, you bring it, and it's something that anybody else would have written the same thing. And you put it in front of me, and I will read it, and I will tell you that this passage is 100% correct, but written by Maududi. And he says this is experience over and over again. Sometimes I just pick up something which somebody else is now quoting, before I even see where the reference is, I already know this is Maududi's writing. And you can bring this in front of me, and I will... Repeatedly this has been my experience. So somebody asked, but how? So he says, I just get that, that negative feeling out of that writing, though that particular passage is right. There is something that is negative that still transfers through. That is the negativity of the heart that was behind the pen that wrote the passage that was correct. Now that heart which is filled with criticism of Sahaba, that heart which is filled with this... Uh, malice of sahaba because criticism this will breed all this so that writing which was correct also but this transferred through that and it now is something that is being discerned by somebody who can discern it not everybody's job Sheikh Abdul Aziz the Baagh was a great personality in his time but he was an illiterate person completely illiterate Allah Shabir Ahmad Usmani narrates this and he says this person was illiterate but if somebody recited Quran Sharif in his presence 
he will say this person is hiding Quran Sharif. Well and good that any, most people can identify. Uh, he's illiterate. Somebody recites a hadith, a Qudsi. He doesn't know Arabic. He's illiterate. And he'll be able to identify this is a hadith, a Qudsi. And somebody decides a hadith which is the hadith of Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam directly. He's not quoting from Allah Ta'ala. He will say this is not hadith, a Qudsi. This is the other category of hadith directly from Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And if he's reciting some Arabic poetry or something, or some other Arabic prose, now who knows the better who somebody who's illiterate. He will say this is neither Quran, neither Hadith Qudsi, nor any other Hadith, this is something besides it. And every time he would be right. People would test him, put him to the test, he'd be right. Somebody asked him, how you do this? Where did you come to? You are illiterate, you can't read, you can't write. So he says the Quran Sharif has its own unique nur. The person reciting the Quran Sharif, I see that nur. And from that nur, I identify what is being recited is Quran Sharif. And the Hadith Qudsi has its own nur. And the Hadith which is a different category of Hadith has its own unique nur. And something which is not Quran Sharif, not Hadith Sharif, then it is devoid of that particular nur. So by seeing this, I can identify what is being recited. So what the lesson in this is that all these writings have an effect. The speaker, what is in his heart, has an effect. Hazrat Mufti Mahmoud used to say that he used to address those who are teaching and so on, and he used to say that our words will fall on the ears of our students, and what is in our heart will impact on their hearts. So what is in our, what comes out of our tongues will impact on the ears. But what is in our hearts will impact on the hearts of the listeners. Now if somebody's heart is devoid of the correct beliefs, or if it's not devoid but it's tainted with incorrect beliefs, or there's things which are against the way of Rasulullah there are things which are far away from deen and sharia, there are things which are now gone into a modernist line, there are things in that heart where the person is impressed with the ways of other than the sunnah, or there is this aversion for the fuqaha, the great imams of fiqh, those who spend their lives and they immerse themselves in the knowledge of deen and they codify deen in its pure form and left it behind for the ummah to now make it easy for them to follow. And yet you'll get people in this time and age where they will talk about such great personalities like Imam Abu Hanifa and others like they were children of this zamana and this time. And as if they were somebody who were totally non-entities. Now somebody who has these kind of things in his heart or her heart, that person when they are speaking, this negativity will impact on the heart of the listener. And as a result, this becomes a barrier then for progress in deen. One of the biggest barriers, many a times this has been witnessed and observed, one of the biggest barriers from progress in deen is the disrespect for the personalities of deen. One of the personalities of deen who are present living at this time and age, but even more so, those great personalities who have already passed on, who dedicated their lives to serving deen, to keeping deen in his pristine purity, and passing it on, harboring any malice, any ill feeling, and being critical about them, this is a guaranteed way 
of retarding a person's progress in deen, rather in retrogressing in deen. It's a guaranteed prescription. And a person starts then going deeper and deeper into disrespect and the person feels that I'm progressing. And person's deen was one time where the person was conscious of his salah, conscious of proper Islamic garb, person was conscious of tasbih and tilawat of the Quran Sharif. Now everything is, now this is not on, that is not fine and it's okay to wear any kind of clothes and you don't have to be in the masjid all the time too and uh, your wife can dress anyhow and niqab is not necessary and one thing after the other the person is going and he the, the biggest tragedy of it is that the headlong fall is being regarded as deen that is the worst tragedy one is a person is committing haram and he's involved in major sins he's in a nightclub and he's in a casino and he's here and there but his heart is regretting what I'm doing la hawla wa la quwata illa billah where am I I have iman in my heart I'm an ummati of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa what's wrong with me I'm still in this kind of thing or I'm smoking this and I'm doing that there is still a very very strong chance inshallah this person's tawfiq of tawbah will come quickly because that regret is there he's remorseful of what he's doing he's doing a major thing we can't condone that for one millisecond also. But the regret in his heart will inshallah bring the topic of Tawbah very quickly. But can we imagine that a person is doing something which is wrong and regarding that itself as deen? Then where can they be the hope of Tawbah? And what is going to bring the turnaround then? So that is a punishment from Allah Ta'ala side. Now where does this come in from? That is a crucial part. That this often starts off from association. Casual association, not being selective. This doesn't mean in any way that one has to be abrupt, rude with anybody, or be disrespectful to anyone, or regard ourselves as better than anybody else. But the zamana that we are in, the time that we are living in, this is a very, very delicate time. And it requires us to be safe rather than sorry. To be on our guard and to take direction from those who have been established to be guiding correctly. Now one is we're taking a chance. Somebody came with something new. It's very exciting. It's sounding very nice. Now how many times it happens, even let alone in dini issues, in many other aspects, sometimes somebody comes up with some kind of miracle cure. They call it miracle cures. The cure is only Allah Ta'ala. Now they call it a miracle cure. And now everybody starts getting hooked onto this some time ago one person had come from overseas and he was dispensing some kind of medication for arthritis and whatever else and people were having major problems they came and started with this medication and in a matter of days for years they're doing whatever else in a matter of days suddenly all the pain was gone suddenly whatever and this started spreading like wildfire this person has got a miracle cure and the next thing was they were accused. And barely some months later, now again everything started getting worse than what it was before. And then people now started investigating and they found this was so-called herbal medication filled with steroids. So now the steroids gives an artificial feeling of goodness for a while. It just merely covers up everything. So everything is still there hasn't changed anything in reality 
But he just masked everything. So that one month, two months of relief, now it became worse than where it started off from. So anything new sometimes, many new things look very exciting. Many new things look like it's a miracle cure for everything. But have we seen the track record? Have we seen where it's heading? How many times something so-called new comes in, which seems to be the perfect thing now? What all these years we were listening to and all of my ikram were telling us, all that suddenly looks like all fairy tales. This is the right thing. And then, after some months we see our son is gone in one direction, the daughter is in another direction, we are in a third direction, and the husband is some other direction, and there's a complete chaos in our whole deen. And that connection that was there with Allah Ta'ala, that too is lost. And special occasions of deen come, everything is not established. The only thing that is established is that you do what you want to do. That's the only thing established. Besides that, everything is not established. End result is a person has lost out in such a way that because that particular way now is itself being regarded as deen, the turnaround becomes difficult. So what is the crucial thing that these, this is a time that we are living in very, very delicate times, the time of fitna, and all these things, new, new things keep coming up. We need to be looking, number one, when your person has a physical problem, a major heart ailment, then the person doesn't go on to Mufti Google to try and treat his own heart problem. Neither does the person just knock on the door of any person, any Hakim, any, any physician, any doctor. He wants to go to the one who has the experience and the proven track record of having had success with his patients. In India, in one village, there were these Hakims and the normal well, whatever the reasons were, to give people confidence that if a Hakim in the cause of treating his patient, if that patient died, then he was required to keep on lamp burning for every patient that died outside his door. So now anybody who's looking for a Hakim for treatment, they would look at these number of lamps and they would now be able to ascertain from there that what is the level of this person. So in any case, everybody was abiding by this. One newcomer came into this village, he needed to see a Hakim. So he counted one Hakim outside his door, there's eight lambs. Then he came somewhere else, there were five lambs. Somewhere else, three lambs. One Hakim, there was one lamp. So he says, this is the right person. He's only lost one patient. So in any case, he came, and now he started consulting the Hakim, and while in the cause of the consultation and the treatment, he just happened to ask the Hakim, that to date, how many patients have you treated? So the Hakim said, one. So that was the one patient he treated and the one patient was already gone in the cover. So when a person wants his physical benefit and he wants to treat himself physically, he's looking for the best physician. He's looking for the person with the best track record. And he's asking around. And then he takes the step of going to get himself treated. Now likewise, for deen, which is our spiritual uh, heart that we have to attend to, then we don't just take anything from anywhere. Any book, any magazine, anything that we heard anywhere. This is our risk, our choice. But at the end of the day, these choices can be very detrimental and harmful if we are not making selective choices. We are not selecting what we are looking at, what we are reading, what we are listening to. After having consulted those who have the knowledge, the experience, and then taking the step forward. Because this association is a crucial factor. In the Hadith Sharif, 
Nabi Wasallam gives the example of association in a parable that مَثَلُ جَلِيسِ الصَّالِحِ وَجَلِيسِ السُّوءِ كَحَامِلِ الْمِسْكِ وَنَافِخِ الْكِيرِ That the example of a good friend and a bad friend. The example of a good friend like a perfume seller and a bad friend like an iron monger. Person who in those days had to work with iron, put it in the furnace and the heat and then stamp it and that smoke and whatever else. So Nabi Wasallam says that this hamilul misk, somebody has a friend who is a itar seller. So, imma ayyuhadiyak, a friend, he wants to give a hadiyah to his friend, what hadiyah he's going to give? He's going to give the hadiyah of what he has. He's a itar seller, so he'll give itar. So the itar will be beneficial, it's a good thing, it will freshen a person's mind. And if he doesn't give it to you as hadiyah, you will end up buying imma antabta'a minhu. Why? Because when a person sees something, he gets inclined to buy. Uh, if he goes to visit his friend, what he's going to see there, he's going to see good things, he's going to see itar. So he'll buy something good. And if he doesn't get it as a gift, he doesn't buy it, the least is for the duration of time that he'll be there in that environment, that environment will be permeated with itar. So he's going to be nevertheless getting the fragrance of that ether, and this will refresh in his soul, refresh in his mind, refresh in his heart, and he will be now benefiting from this in, that, in any case. So that good friend, that good friend is not devoid of benefit. There will be some benefit or the other that will come from a good friend. That good association. So that good association can only benefit. But, وَنَافِخُ kir, The person who is an iron monger, that now you're going to be going to visit that iron monger, so he's working with fire, and there are these sparks flying all, all the time. So some spark is going to fly and fall on your clothing, it's going to burn you. Even though he did not intend to harm you. So likewise, a friend that is not on the right road, is not necessary that that friend will wish and want to harm you or to deviate you. But that very association has this negative effect. That you don't know when one spark of something will fly, person will just make some statement and that statement could now cause such a confusion in the heart that a person is gone from where to where. The least is that in that environment one is going to smell the smoke and the fumes and one is going to be affected by this, one cannot escape that. So, the crucial thing is, that when a person is in incorrect company, the person is going to get affected in some way or the other. Therefore, this has become the very important thing, that a person is very selective, about whose company we are in, what we are associating with, what we are reading, what we are listening to, otherwise, this Allah forbid can take us far away from where we are, far away from the right path. So we find that the correct thing to do is to refer to the ulama kiram, to inquire from them, take their guidance, take their direction, and inshallah in this way, we will not go wrong. Allah Ta'ala will give us the direction. What we are required to do is, فَاسْأَلُوا أَهْلَ الذِّكْرِ إِن كُنْتُمْ لَا تَعْلَمُونَ In the Qur'an Sharif, Allah says, ask those of knowledge if you do not know. Now one is a person has that very deep and high level of knowledge. If he does not, then the Quran is commanding him, 
then you ask the people of knowledge. Now the thing is that who is going to be regarded as a person of knowledge? So like a doctor, we get the confirmation about his expertise from other doctors. If we hear other doctors are also confident about him, then that is really an endorsement. But if all people who are lay people only, they are endorsing him, then what is the value of their endorsement? Because they don't know what is the worth of a doctor. Sometimes a person could just be taking a chance with things. So likewise, people who are well grounded in deen and in knowledge, they are endorsing somebody's knowledge. Then this will be a way to understand that this is a person we can take guidance from. So Alhamdulillah, there are many ulama ikram in the community. There are people who have this expertise, this ability. So we refer to them, we inquire via our mahrams or by writing to them, emailing, etc. And inquiring when there is an issue, that is this correct? Is this something to do? Is this to be listened to? Is this to be read? And by inquiring first and then taking the step forward, we will only be keeping ourselves safe. Many a times, person feels that, am I so dumb that I have to keep asking? It's not a matter of being dumb. Allah Ta'ala has blessed everybody with intelligence. But Allah Ta'ala has also said, فَاسْأَلُوا أَهْلَ الذِّكْرِ إِن كُنْتُمْ لَا تَعْلَمُونَ If you don't have the deep knowledge of Quran and Sunnah, then you ask those who have this knowledge. So a person might be very intelligent in his field, but that doesn't make him an expert in Quran and Sunnah. And a person might be a very great alim, that doesn't make him an expert in medicine. He needs some medical treatment, he'll have to ask the doctor. If he needs to build his house, he'll have to ask the architect. He'll have to ask the engineer. But when the engineer needs some, some guidance in deen, then he cannot go and ask the doctor. The doctor's field is medicine. And the doctor needs to draw a, how, a plan for a house, then he won't come to the Maulana and the Buftisan. But when it comes to deen, then the doctor, the engineer and the architect will have to come to the alim. So Allah Ta'ala has apportioned everybody's field. But unfortunately, we find that when it comes to deen, one is when it comes to politics, everybody is an expert, well and good. Let everybody be an expert in that, no problem. Everybody has an opinion, everybody has a view, and everybody has a solution also. Just that it all finishes off as soon as the last morsel is taken, and everybody is gone after that, and then we'll discuss the solutions to the world's problems at the next meal. So fine, that's not a problem. Everybody can uh, claim that they're experts in politics, no problem. But when it comes to deen, unfortunately, again, everybody is an expert in deen. Whether the person understands, for example, you'll find a lay person out on the street and suddenly saying, no, this hadith is da'if. They ask him, what's the definition of da'if? So he says, weak. What's the meaning of weak? So weak is weak. So is which week? This week or next week? <laughs> so now the poor fellow just heard some word somewhere. He heard da'if means weak. And there are some hadiths which are classified as da'if. Now anything that he doesn't understand, he says the hadith is da'if. And what is the uh, manner in which things are classified? And what is the field in which it is used? The, the context in which it is applied? Etc. He has no knowledge from anywhere. He's heard some words somewhere and he's trying to now just relate it and copy it and use it anywhere. And now somebody gets very excited. This person is talking something which I didn't hear before. 
He knows da'if. Da'if is weak, but he doesn't know whether it's this week or next week. So, unfortunately, these are all things that are now coming into the society, coming in from whichever sources. And as a result, people who are not being careful, they're getting carried away. So the thing is that when we need some direction in deen, we are not going to ask somebody who doesn't know whether da'if is weak in this week or next week. He doesn't have that expertise. He doesn't have that knowledge. He doesn't know what is the classification of sahih, what is hasan. You ask him to define sahih, he'll say sahih means correct. But what does sahih mean in terms of the terminology of hadith? He has no idea. So if you give him the definition that hadith of sahih is ma ruya bi riwayati rawin adlin tam is zabt muttasili sanad ghairi muallalin wala shadin he'll want to know which ayat of the Quran you're reading. Now this is no ayat of the Qur'an Sharif, this is the definition that the muhaddisin has gi- have given of a hadith as sahih. Now he cannot distinguish whether this is ayat of the Qur'an Sharif or it's some statement of the muhaddisin. And now he wants to pretend to be an expert in deen. So is he going to be the person we're going to refer to? So that is the danger unfortunately, which many people are not realizing and falling headlong into these things. And as a result, before a person knows it, the person has gone far off in another direction which unfortunately is not leading to our true destination and goal. So in the zamana and time that we are living in, we have to become very careful. We have to become very guarded. And to be safe, that is the correct way. Everything else we want to be safe in, the same must buckle up, that is a safe way to drive. So we now buckle up. And all the other precautions with the appliances that we have, we will abide by that. If there is some other things in life, day-to-day things, that there are some precautions and some safety things that we have to t- keep in mind, then we are very careful about those things. Because all these things affect our physical self, affect our property, affect our health. What about our deen? Why should we not be extra careful and extra cautious regarding our deen and protecting our deen? So this is the thing that we have to become careful about that what we listen to, what we read, the association and in this way, inshallah, we'll be safeguarded and we follow the simple principle which the Qur'an Sharif has given us, فَاسْأَلُوا أَهْلَ الذِّكْرِ إِن كُنْتُمْ لَا تَعْلَمُونَ that we follow the way by asking those of knowledge. We don't have the knowledge, we ask those of knowledge. So to keep this momentum going where we keep getting connected to Allah Taala, some of the simple things are that in our homes we have this talim regularly, talim of the Fazail Kitabs. This was written by no ordinary person. It was written by a person who was truly deeply in knowledge. Now you'll get in this time and age people making comments about even the Fazail Amal, saying, well, there's a whole lot of fairy tales. Fairy tales, which is a fairy tale? Because something might be there about some incident that happened that apparently was not the norm, something supernatural as we may call it. So is Karamat... The supernatural aspect, something which is a fairy tale, it has never happened. The Quran Sharif speaks about it. In the time of Sulaiman, he needed to have the throne of Bilqis, which was far away, and a huge, mighty throne, brought away to his place. The Quran Sharif says that, First one, jinn among the People of Sulaiman the jinnat also come. One jinn said that by the time this gathering is over, I'll bring it and come. 
I imagine a huge throne from far away. This gathering will take a few minutes. One, how long? He'll be here before that. So this person who Allah had blessed with the knowledge of deen, he was not a Nabi. And he said, I will bring it before you blink an eye. And then the Quran Sharif says, فَلَمَّا رَآهُ مُسْتَقِرًا عِنْدَهُ قَالَ هَذَا مِنْ فَضْلِ رَبِّي The next moment, Sulaiman sees this huge throne already brought. And he said, this is the fuzzle of Allah Ta'ala. So, this is a karamat, it's a supernatural thing which Allah Ta'ala made possible. Allah Ta'ala did it, but allowed it to happen at the hands of an ordinary human being. So now some of things which had happened, which were supernatural, authentically related. Now because these things are there, it is now to deny history to say it didn't happen. If it doesn't appeal to somebody's mind, they deny it. So it's to deny history, something happened, it happened. Now this ayat of the Quran Sharif is speaking about something that was supernatural. But now is somebody going to deny the ayat of the Quran as well? So because of the agendas that are out there, so these things which have turned people's lives for the better, not tens, not hundreds, not thousands, hundreds of thousands of people's lives have changed for the better. With the simple talim of the fazail kitabs in their homes. Now that, for whatever the agenda is, is being calculatedly being uh, targeted in order to make people stay far away from it and to deprive them of the benefit of it. We should not get... Uh, deviated by these things this is something that we should try and establish in our homes daily have this talim of the fazail amal the fazail sadaqat and in this way we will see the great benefits that will come to us to our children to our families and inshallah in this way everybody's deen will progress we will see the betterment in our lives the betterment in their lives as a result we will benefit from their good conduct and character as well especially when it is now our old age and we need their help, at that time they would have that deen and courtesy and that akhlaq to be of assistance to their parents. Otherwise, everybody does their own thing. So in this time, the lesson and message is that we have to become very concerned, very careful about association, what we read, what we look at, what we listen to, who we associate with. And in this way, inshallah, Allah Ta'ala, with His fazl and His karam, we will be guarded our deen will be protected and in this way inshallah we will reach our destination of jannah safe, safely may allah ta'ala grant me and all of us the tawfiq wa akhir da'wana alhamdulillahi rabbil alamin allahumma lakal hamdu kulluhu wa lakal shukr kulluhu allahumma la nuhsithana an alayk anta kama athnayta ala nafsik jazallahu anna nabiyyana muhammadan sallallahu alayhi wa sallam bima huwa ahlu rabbana walamna anfusana wa illam takhfil lana wa tarhamna lanakunanna minal khasirin rabbi khfir warham واعفو وتكرم وتجاوز عما تعلم إنك أنت الأعز الأكرم ربنا توفنا مسلمين وألحقنا بالشهداء والصالحين غير خزايا ولا نداما ولا مفتونين اللهم إنا نسألك من خير ما سألك منه نبيك وحبيبك سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم ونعوذ بك من شر ما استعاذك منه نبيك وحبيبك سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم أنت المستعان وعليك البلاغ ولا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله العلي العظيم وصلى الله تعالى على خير خلقه سيدنا محمد وآله وصحبه معين والحمد لله رب العالمين